to Big Feelings Full Colon 90 Day Fiance, a podcast where two friends recap a TV show suggested by a stranger on the internet. Please join us as we consume, digest, and regurgitate the Learning Channel's 90 Day Fiance. Hi, love. Hi, love. Are you ready to talk about Season 8, Episode 12 of the Learning Channel's 90 Day Fiance? I am now that I have my spermicidal jam. <laughs> oh, getting sexy with it. We are. I'm just, my life is so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching this show is contraception enough, don't you think? I don't know if it's contraception enough as much as it is um, anti-marriage for me. Kind of makes me feel bad about humanity in general. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Previously <laughs> on... Dun, dun, dun. Um, we had Natalie still with a bald, barren finger. Um, no ring for her. We got Moist Incel Andrew continuing to toss around the idea of Serbia. Serbia, it's a concept, not a country. We've still got Horny Hazel wanting a girlfriend. More happy. We had Brandon and Julia's pregnancy scare. We had Grandpa Zayed with his baby talk with Rebecca. Are you sure you're not going to want a kid? Are you sure? You'd be such a good father. Are you sure you don't want a kid? Let's talk about it in this teriyaki restaurant. Why aren't you certain of the future, much younger man? We had drunk Jovi ditching Yara at their engagement party. Yara searching a sea of drunken uncles for uh, her fiancé. And that was it. And so we start with... Yara and Jovi, who have 44 days to go. Doesn't it feel like 44 lifetimes? It's just been going on for forever. I'm so bored with them. You know what's funny is like, now I feel like they're the ones I'm the most engaged with and everybody else is boring me. Really? Yeah. I think because I have kind of thrown in my lot with Yara, I'm picking up the tumbleweeds of hair extensions along (sighs) behind her. I'm now her handmaiden. Because she's, you know, she's right. Like, she's talking about his deplorable behavior at their engagement party. She's like, you lost me. English is not my first language. I don't know anyone. I'm pregnant. And it's like, yeah. She got flim-flammed by this party that was supposed to be small that wasn't. So I felt like she dealt with that pretty gracefully. She was just like, okay, we're doing this. All right, there's a wedding cake over there. We've got custom drink koozies. Okay. And then... He just runs off. I think we we established that he started the party half drunk and then proceeded to take it all the way. So she's basically begging him to just drink a little bit less and take care of her because she's pregnant. And again, doesn't know anyone. English isn't her first language. She needs some support from her fiance who brought her over here and impregnated her. I just don't even care if she's right, Mm. you know, because she approaches. It's like. More of her whining. Great. And I'm not necessarily on either one of their teams. It's like I'm not rooting for either one of them. So it's uh, it's always another situation where she's mad at him. It's taking the tread off my tires. When complaining is your main mode of communication, I think your valid complaints get mixed in with your not-so-valid complaints. Yeah. So I think her asking Jovi to just drink on special occasions, but maybe not every single day, gets lost amongst her complaints about New Orleans being a dirty village. Yeah, they're just kind of nothing to me. So I find whenever they're on the screen, it's just tedious. You're not even sitting there wondering what Jovi's teeth taste like? No, not really. Not even that anymore? They taste like Bud Light and crawfish. (laughs) Oh! Oh! So, but fishy and cold. Ew. The weird thing, too, is that, like, I feel like we've got two Jovis. We've got confessional Jovi, who is sober and lucid and totally making sense and saying very reasonable, good things. And then we've got regular Jovi, who's usually wasted. Maybe it's partially due to that whole 30 days on, 30 days off. So when he's off, he's all the way off. And when he's on, he's all the way on. But I think Yara's got reasonable concerns that she wants him to put her and the baby above booze. You know he doesn't turn all the way off. Come on. I, I don't know how it works. I mean, maybe Come he's... Come on. 
Maybe he's when he, when he's doing his underwater welding in this Black Sea, he's doing it for 18 hours and he just sleeps in a tin can underwater somewhere. I don't know. At some point, you, you need to drink it just to function. You, you need it yeah. to maintain an equilibrium. You think he's just like having a couple beers at night, even when he's working just to get to sleep? Oh, t- oh my God, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't say that in a place of judgment, but just I, I think it speaks to Yara's naivete. Like, honey, you can't tell him stop drinking and he's just going to be like, okay. Like, honey, no. And I noticed that he kind of talked around. He never agrees to like quit drinking. He says, I think I can try to drink a little less. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're drinking a shit ton, a little less is pretty easy to, to do. But at least he's not lying to her, making promises that he's not going to keep. Yeah, that's it's not a switch. It could be a dimmer switch, but it's not an off-on switch. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's totally it. He's agreeing to dim it, but not turn it off. Let's go hang out with Stephanie in Belize and her gigantic leopard print eye pillow filled with regrets. Filled with something. That's what needs to be discussed. <laughs> it's full of Xanax. It's not rice. It's not buckwheat. It's just pills. <laughs> just just Xannies. Just little... <laughs> Just um, bars and Zanny. Yep. All right. So, yeah, let's go see what's going on with Granny Zanny. She flashbacks to slap. I love that she's, she doesn't just, like, throw the phone. She is slapping that phone and saying, fuck off and die to Ryan. She then proceeds to try to destroy a, a heart-shaped balloon that Ryan gave her that says, I love you. When that doesn't work, she stabs it with a pen and screams, fuck you. It is entertaining. It's not Yara and Jovi, I'll tell you that much. And for that, I am thankful. But man, she's operating on another plane. She's doing her best (laughs) to be on another plane most of the time. I mean, we have to also be cognizant of the fact that we are dealing with a woman who is very recently in the history of the show, uh, sexually violated by the man she intended to marry. But then on the other hand, it's like even over the course of this segment, you kind of watch her face and you watch her behavior change and she's off in tangerine trees and marmalade skies, honey. When she's walking up to Harris, she kind of does that nervous, like her eyes dart around. Have you ever been so fucked up that you're almost making yourself paranoid because you're so worried about coming off normal? Yeah. Now, I think she's doing that. God, over the course of the segment, she goes from lucid and normal to just like starting to go out of it by the end of the episode. I'm surprised she's not subtitled. And she says, I I miss my cat a lot, hell of a lot more than I miss Ryan. <laughs> yeah, the pivot from she was going to marry this dude as of, I think she says it's it's like 48 hours or something. But now he's just a total lower than low piece of shit the insanity the horrible thing is it's like that meme you sent me that what was it it was like the white lady sex tourism starter kit yeah where now he's been mommy dearested out of the picture the picture's (laughs) been ripped up and it's like just insert harris yeah yeah she had a little peg taken out of her life little life car and she's just going to replace it i think too the fact that she so quickly pivots to him being lower than low piece of shit a thief she thought all of this about him from the beginning and the quickness with which she's just going to replace him with another person it's hard too because she was all over the internet talking about how disgusting it was that the learning channel continued to film her after she had been sexually assaulted and it's like well you didn't go home. You were continuing to give them content by hooking back up with Harris ASAP. I guess the real question is like, how lucid is she when she's doing all of this? Yeah. Because it, it does not appear to be very much at all. And, you know, I'm not one to judge, but girl, it gets rough to watch. Like, it's super blatant. Yeah, it does start to feel like the Learning Channel is really taking advantage of... Well, I guess that's what they do now is just take advantage of broken... <laughs> drug-addled, alcoholic weirdos just living their lives like pinballs being paddled around. They used to put you on a plane to Florida and dry you out. Now they just make you marry someone in 90 days yep. and film the whole thing. So let's go make a lasagna with Betty and Julia. It's March 2020 and um, Betty's explaining what regola cheese is to, to Julia. <laughs> regola Oh, Julie, it's rigata. You don't have this in Russia? And Julie is like, no, 
Betty is insanity. No one put tomatoes in lasagna, Betty. And we have a segment called Low the Cosmetologist Knows. I'll do the theme song right here. It's like, Low the Cosmetologist Knows. Low the Cosmetologist Knows. Okay, Low, what is going on with Betty's hair? It's um a good old shag. It's like four colors. Mm-hmm. Have oh, you the noticed color that? Is... What? That's what I'm wondering about specifically. Not yeah. not necessarily her. What did you say? Her Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. But what is going on with that color? How does hair turn four colors like that? Um, because you buy a different box that's on sale every time you go to the wigwam or the Walmart <laughs> or the Piggly Wiggly. Whoa. Okay. So yeah. you're saying you're saying she probably did that herself. Oh fuck yeah. Oh, fuck. No licensed person is doing that. That's all I watch. Anytime she's on screen, I'm just looking at her hair. I was mesmerized. I mean, I could get further into it, but that's... We're going to leave it at that. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, they were out. I usually get the the box with the the picture of this lady, but I didn't see her. So I guess I'm going to go with this other lady. That looks about right. (laughs) I would say that there's like, there's some feria on there. There's some like, what is it? Loving care. There's like three different brands of hair color going on there. You know, that's probably the least of Betty's problems. Can we get back to the tomatoes and the lasagna? Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm intrigued. I, I would try it. That uh, incredibly heavy lasagna. Wouldn't that just make it super wet and sloppy? Well, that's how Betty and Ron like it. <laughs> <laughs> that lasagna is for therapy, not entertainment. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you picked that up. Those to- sliced tomatoes. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it's, you know, there's tomato sauce in there. Why not put some slices of tomatoes? I bet their food tastes like the 2020 version of, like, Cousin Eddie's food that he serves to the Griswolds in vacation. This is kind of like, oh, right. what poor Julia has been subjected to. So Brandon is an essential worker as an exterminator. And just when I thought I couldn't loathe him anymore, his hot takes on coronavirus, because we're, we're flashing back to March 2020, God, both in real life and on this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fun Facebook memories are starting to come up. Oh, geez, this coronavirus is getting a little spooky. Little did I know a year ago. So yeah, Brandon condescendingly is like, oh, this coronavirus is making people a little bit paranoid and a little bit crazy. Um, it's kind of making people nuts. Just like, fuck you, Brandon. God, he can just choke on my testicles. Making fun of the lady with the Lysol. I would have a Lysol and a lighter, and I'd be following him around the house. <laughs> yes! Yes, like, hey, buddy, how about I exterminate you while you exterminate those bugs? Like a fucking Metallica video. Then he talks about, like, for some reason he wants to procrastinate the wedding. He's like, well, it's not like they're going to be deporting anyone right now. And Ron and Betty and, and Julia are all just like, What? That was a real hot take. He has these moments where he's just suddenly omnipotent and thinks he's speaking for everyone. And it's like, dude, no, you can't even speak for yourself. Brandon is the epitome of just complacent Caucasian male mediocrity. Dinwiddie style. Then they're they're kind of talking about churches or whatever. But he's like, you know, whatever. Everything's going to be fine in a month. We'll figure it out then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're all just concerned that Corona is going to wor- ruin Julia's wedding plans. And I mean, it is kind of weird to watch people at this point being like, oh, well, you know, yeah, just give it a couple weeks and everything will be fine. I remember feeling that way, though. Yeah, that was a fun feeling. And then we find out Betty is a dom top from the way she slides her way right into Julia's wedding dress rehearsal, try on, what have you. Yeah, she just doesn't take no for an answer. Julia tries to to say no repeatedly, but because Brandon's such a limp-dicked, slimy turd, he's just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I think that Betty may have even made the appointment and picked the dress shop. Poor Julia. I don't think he is limp-dicked, and that's part of the problem. You think he's got a big old baby's arm holding an apple, and that's why Julia is not ditching him? No matter what he's packing, God, he doesn't deserve it. He could have magic genitalia. Just such a know-it-all little fucker. (sighs) Let's take a break from that, shake it off, and go to squim. Oh, God. (laughs) Let's go there for some levity. Why not? Good times and squim. Jesus. 
So Mike and Natalie have 22 days to go and they still don't know what the fuck is going on. Natalie says she's not ready to leave America. Once again, it's this isn't about Mike, is it? I mean, I hate to play into that, you know, Ukrainian women just want to get to America narrative, but Natalie's not really doing her sisters any favors. So she calls her friend Svetlana. These are the things to, again, flashback to Corona 2020. She's worried about Nelia. She's upset that this is happening and she's not able to be with her mom. As we know now, Neely is a prime candidate to die from the Rona, so it's well-founded. You know what? I think she's I, I, I think she's okay. She's robust. Yeah, Neely is her survivor. So they flash back to her giving Mike the stink eye from the couch and telling him that he cheats and lies. And she's still fucking talking about that thing with his friend Sarah and the wedding night and him waking up half naked stoned on the couch and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and actually there is no, and because it's just this one fucking thing. That's all she has on him. Yeah, it really is. And she's holding on to it for dear life. She's been doing it for across two seasons. So then she talks about like, I feel like he's mad at me or something for Keith. I don't know how to fix it. What gave it away? The fact that he's told you over and over again (laughs) that that hurt his feelings and that that is why he is mad at her now? She could fix it with head. Just start, like, all this whining and FaceTiming. You think Natalie just needs to suck it? (laughs) Just suck it. That's the only way. And cook him something with, like, high fructose corn syrup in it, please. Yeah, fry something up for the guy. I'm a vegan, and I'm telling you to put high fructose corn syrup and meat in it. Like, make make him a fucking, um, what are they called? Um, a casserole. Yeah. Oh, man. And then and then suck his dick. And then he'll give you that ring back. Yeah. Or just quit shitting all over him and telling him he's low class and that she's too good for him. That- oh, and what's your IQ and all yeah. that horse shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's so fucking self-involved and has, her head is so deep into her rectum that I think only like 5% of what Mike says to her gets through. And I think she demonstrates that by being like, Oh, I think maybe he's murdered me for Keeve. It's like he has told you a million different ways, a million different times why he's mad at you and what's going on and what she needs to do to fix it. But gee, I don't know. But she just, so she decides I want to stop fighting and marry Mike. Okay. For what? To be an American, have a baby. She's another one that talks about how she's invested. Everyone in this show, I think, except for maybe Yara and Jovi, has talked about that they've invested all this time in it and they can't go back now. Let me just say, too, that I feel like, if we're talking about sexual relations, that no matter what's going on with Yara and Jovi, that they are fucking like porn stars. We've been told that Mike and Natalie are continuing to have intercourse, but it's probably just mechanical and sad it needs to be like mechanical and sad in the hot way yara and jovi i think weirdly have they have like spicy passion but mike and natalie's relationship it's like the relationship equivalent of campbell's cream of mushroom soup or something it's just damp and sad oh (laughs) god did i ever tell you about the time i was working at food bank of the rockies and we just got these giant pallets in of campbell's expired cream of mushroom soup Wow. It made the whole place smell like like a hot tub full of jizz. It was not good. Wow, so you could smell it through the can? Uh-huh. Oh my oh. god, I I have so many stories. Everything had expiration dates on it, but there was like this list that we had of things, how good they were beyond expiration dates. But yeah, apparently we could still give people expired cream of mushroom, but it stank in there for like two days. So, uh, I don't know how to segue that into hanging out with Tariq and Hazel. So let's just go to cor- let's let's go to quarantine together in Virginia Beach. Uh, no, this this smells pretty bad too. They're still unicorn hunting on their app, but Tariq says it's it's really not going well. He's trying to explain to Hazel <laughs> that fifty to sixty percent of the women on that site are catfish. Who do you think has created those accounts? The scammers. Like the people that some of the people that we see on this show, I think sometimes too, Tariq, maybe Tariq's not that dumb because he explains how he's able to figure out. He's like, oh, super catfish. This lady is a super catfish where he's like, I did a reverse search and this is in a real picture and da 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 da. So with those big arms. 
Hi, Tariq. And Tariq rightfully is like, hey, can we just kind of like plan our wedding and figure this out and like get married before we start doing this thing but hazel just really seems laser focused on on the more happy more happy it's interesting because at least Tariq, to his credit if i was Tariq, i'd be like wow so clearly this is your main motivator and i'm not enough for you so he's just being really nice and supportive and hazel is once again rattling off her list of what she wants in a unicorn she sounds like the little kids in mary poppins i want brown girl good dental hygiene Lots of sexual experience with women. Which is basically her way of saying anyone but someone who could be more interested in you than me. He's like, oh, what about this lady? And she's like, I don't like Asian. She looks Thai. Yeah, there's so much going on here and none of it's good. She really wants this thing to happen, but she's super paranoid that he's going to like this other woman more than her, which, again, is maybe another reason to get her and Tariq's relationship up to 110% before you start bringing in things that could fuck with the equilibrium. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to actually actively dislike Hazel. Yeah, she's pretty unpleasant. She doesn't do well anytime Minty's around. So I, I get why she's so stinky about Minty, because Minty doesn't... Minty looks like a lot of fun. Is Minty in this segment or the next one? This is when Tariq says, hey, what if we holla at Minty? Which she agrees to. And so they're going to holla at Minty at a later segment. But yeah, she reveals ulterior motives for agreeing to contact Minty. She's pulling a Kate Bush babushka moment, honey. If you're going to search for it, you're going to find it. You're going to have a heartburn Nora Ephron moment. She wants to see if there's still a spark there. Of course, there's still a spark there. But the thing is, it's like, what is she going to do to win him over? She's so concerned with some other woman. You know, she needs to step it up. Step her pussy up. Let's go hang out with Rebecca and Zayed in Georgia. They've got 69 days to go. It's March 2020. We get Zayed loading the dishwasher. I do like watching him. (laughs) It's cute. Like, he's like, oh, he closes it. He pushes the button. And he's like looking at the production crew. He's like, I I did it. I I do this. He's like, oh, so easy. He is like a Muppet, isn't he? Yeah. I would love to watch him without Rebecca because she bums me out. Just Zied operates home appliances. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Just just Zied, yeah, like having new experiences being in America. So due to Corona, Rebecca's working overtime at Joelle's Chicken Shack. So he hasn't been seeing her very much because so many people are getting takeout now. But I liked his tousled, unstyled look. But we do get back to the aviator and cool hair, Zied for the rest of the segment. So they go to this ranch that she's booked them a cabin at. Ranch. Ranch. So (laughs) once again, we get Rebecca talking, doing the weird broken English baby talk. I want take tour, but not like normal. She is confounding. Why does she deploy that? Why does she choose the time she chooses to deploy it? I'm so confused. She's mystifying. So they take a horse-drawn carriage and, I love his reaction. He he just, he's so stoked about the horse. Oh, oh. horse is so big and handsome. I like <laughs> the horse. I like all the animal. See, he's fu- he is fun to watch because he just takes delight in the smallest of things. Dishwashers, horses, yeah. what's next? Yeah, so then Ramadan. you can tell. Well, Ramadan's next. But he's just so tickled. He's he's really having fun in that horse-drawn carriage. But then Rebecca's going to just keep steering it back to like, yeah, can you imagine like us and we just got married and we're riding off into the sunset in this horse-drawn carriage. And he's just like, yes, horses, handsome. And I'm also just like, bitch, it's Rona times. You've been married three times before. You had three times to have your, your dream wedding you're probably not going to get it now. Get over it. Let it go. He's let it go. He's just like, hey, we need to just take care of this. Let's go to the courthouse. And she's just super butthurt about it. This is going to be my last wedding. Yeah, this is her like, she's viewing it as like her last chance to be like this fairy princess to go to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Honey. <laughs> she wants to pay $200 for that cheap hair. That's what she wants. What is it? Her fourth time getting married? Yeah. Yep. Not even an impending worldwide pandemic is going to stop her from achieving 
her chicken hut dreams, honey. I didn't think about that, that now we'd be watching people trying to have weddings and plan weddings during the beginnings of Rona. But I agree with, I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Betty, or it might have even been Zayed that it's like, hey, you just do your courthouse wedding. And then once this is all over, you can have your big bibbity bobbity. But she ain't hearing it. Yeah, and she takes it so personally. His point of view just makes so much sense. She's kind of stuck at like 16. It's very strange. She's just pathos in skinny jeans. She does have this weird, just damaged vibe to her. Like, when in this show have we seen her relaxed, happy, truly sort of let loose and enjoying herself? In every situation, there's some, you know, oh, that girl with viable eggs is looking at my man. Oh, you know, he's thinking this. He's probably going to do that. Like, she can't just live. She has a truck. She wants to fuck. She's got a truck full of eggs. (laughs) She's coming at ya. Baby Jane wasn't so hard to watch because we've been spending so much time with Rebecca. Shit. With apricot honey. So let's go speak slow French with Amira and Hamdi in Samur. So Amira's telling her dad about this whole Serbian plan. And he's like, why don't you get a job? And she's like, I am not looking for a job because I am going to go live with Andrew. In this special second segment of Lo the Cosmetologist Knows, Lo the Cosmetologist Knows, Lo the Cosmetologist Knows, what is going on with Dad's hair? Oh. Is that box dye and a comb over? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Just for men, baby. Oh, that's rough. It is that, like, opaque shoe polish black. I also made a note that I think her hair extensions are multiplying like triples, and she's starting to look like Cousin It. (laughs) she's allowed to after what she's been through she can have all the hair extensions but dad is looking he's looking like nosferatu honey (laughs) he's looking rough well i think from one of the from some of the things we've read off the air about hamdi he hasn't had an easy life where's xavier that's what i want bring back xavier please yes hamdi basically just reads her the riot act he's like you do the mistake again and just talk shit about Andrew, all of it correct, about how he's just a coward and he's manipulative. You must not sacrifice for Andrew. He not sacrifice for you. True. She loves to be in the direct company of men who love to make it all about them. I knew you'd kind of pick up on that, that later in the segment she talks about what she's put her dad through with all of this international dating service travel. (laughs) Well, no, I picked that up when she met him in France again for the first time after coming back from Mexico City, and it was all about his reaction to her being detained and not her actually being detained. Very strange. He makes some points that he's like, "Why? what was Andrew doing while you were in detention? He didn't leave his little village. He didn't look for her. That's the truth. So I like that someone finally pointed that out. But here's where he kind of loses me. Gives her an ultimatum that he's not going to talk to her anymore if she goes to Serbia and does this whole thing. She's got to make a choice. I could handle not seeing that in person. Like, you can, you could call me sometime, like, for, on a landline. Poor inert Amira has to choose between just for men Nosferatu and moist insult Andrew. What will she do? And, like, somebody I knew was like, you really don't need front row seats to like a Tom Petty concert. And I know he's dead, but it's like, that's not a face that you need like front row seats for. Hamdi can, Hamdi's making a pretty uh, low stakes, empty threat. She still takes it to heart. It still fucking devastates her. So he's the French Tom Petty. Who is Amira? What is Amira? All we know is that she likes makeup. And other than that, she's just sort of this non-entity getting pushed around by the men in her life. Does she like Fexi? Does she use Fexi? Le Fexi? Well, we know Yara and Jovi didn't. They're waking up at Gwen and Monty's house. It's the day after the engagement party. Monty admits that he can't remember much from that party, but he does remember being informed that Yara is carrying his genetic material. Bebe. So then Gwen's like, are y'all excited for the baby? Or are you like, oh shit? Which begins like 10 minutes of just, oh shit. (laughs) 
oh shit conversations, which kind of cracked me up. Because Jovi's like, yeah, I'm like, oh shit, Yara, aren't you like, oh shit? And then Yara's like, Jovi, why are you like, oh shit? You are not happy? And he's like, well, no, but I'm still like, oh shit. She's like, no, you're not, oh shit. So then dad's like, oh shit. Yeah, Yara actually is the most corona-friendly person in this show because she wants to have just a micro-wedding in Vegas with just her and Jovi, which greatly upsets Gwen. And Jovi's like, well... To his mom, he's like, hey, you just kind of threw me this wedding thing, so doesn't that count? She says no. I kind of, I, I get Gwen wanting to attend her son's wedding. But wouldn't it be cool if Brandon spoke to his parents the way that Jovi speaks to his? Yeah. Like I said, confessional Jovi's fine. It's just when he's like off the leash and glug, glug, glug that you're like, dude, get it together. Yeah. He admits that he's not handling the situation too good. He's stuck between Yara, who wants to do just the two of them in Vegas, and Gwen, who wants to have a super spreader event. What did she say? It's a Cajun thing? I think anytime they want to do something stupid, they just say it's Cajun culture. I would not make out with Jovi if he had throw up breath, because I have too much self-respect. But if I were like 15 years younger, I totally would. He's got to go back to work in 20 days. So I think they technically have a lot more time, but he's got to he's got to leave for work. So they've got to get it together and do this thing. Okay. Gwen and Monty basically corner him and say like, hey, this girl hates everything. Like all she does is complain. Are you sure you want to sign up for a lifetime of this? Bump, 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 bump. We'll see if his friend's predictions come true or not. It's hard not to sort of start making certain generalizations when you've got Yara who... Yeah, she does complain a lot and hates everything. And then you've got Natalie, also Ukrainian, who complains a lot and hates everything. When she has to go downstairs at the Rio the morning after they get married to find him sitting at the slots with a Michelob, it's going to hit home, baby. I would put Yara and Jovi at the Venetian. Actually, you know what? He does seem to be definitely one of the more financially fluid people on the show. That's for sure. Yeah, I think someone in the Facebook group got real creepy and figured out that he makes $127,000 a year, which where I live and where you live would just be like, eh, you're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're living. You might be able to afford a decent condo or a very small house in the outskirts. But I think in New Orleans and a lot of the country, that's that's a very robust living. I mean, he could definitely support a family, a small family on that salary, but he's not like rolling in it. Oh, well, it's more than me. He makes a decent living, but you know, as far as like $27 million penthouse apartment. Yeah. I don't know. She's going to get all that. No, it's like, I found that out and I was like, well then why the fuck is he doing this again? They only get 1500 per episode. It's not worth it, but they can parlay it into an only fans. What was it? Penetration with, Censorship. Penetration with censorship. Sounds like a Devo song, doesn't it? Penetration with censorship. censorship. <laughs> and yes, we are referencing Stefani's OnlyFans menu. Ooh. You're, you're sounding like a, I can understand what you're saying when you're imitating her. You need to. <laughs> I know, I need to step up my slur. Yeah, you need to pretend like you just got an injection of Valium. You're like, oh. I just had my tongue Botoxed. <laughs> I like that you're bringing in sort of a feline and heat aspect to to your <laughs> Stefani. I was thinking like sexy dinosaur, but they're pretty much the same same thing, right? Speaking of sexy dinosaurs, let's go wedding dress shopping with Betty. They've got 57 days to go. And I love it because they pull up and Brandon's like, oh, look, my mom's already here. The Bonnie rate of box color, honey. She's here. And then Julia's response is, maybe we go different store? <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, oh, I would have loved that so much if they were just like, skirt, and left Betty just sitting at the bridal store like, well, I don't know what's going on. They said they were going to be here at two o'clock. And then Brandon effectively neuters his mother, which <laughs> is shitty, but hilarious. Oh, yeah. Fucking pushy Betty and fucking shitty Brandon and poor Julia just trying to have her moment because it is super fun to try on wedding dresses. And I'm sure it's even more fun when you look like Julia. This is her first wedding. Yeah. This is a, a big deal. 
And she's excited because she's like, this is the first day we talk about wedding. She wants to have a cute dress and a decent wedding. And Betty's like, doesn't my opinion count here? No, Betty, fuck you. Shut up. It's beautiful. So she kind of seems to have it narrowed down to three dresses. And yeah, she's just trying to get an opinion out of Brandon because she wants him to like the dress. He's there and he just makes it so clear throughout this entire thing that he could not care less. He doesn't want to be there. She's like, oh, I want to call mama. So she gets her mom on WhatsApp or whatever the fuck. And then she leaves the phone with Brandon and Betty while she goes to change. And that's super awkward. And Brandon straight up just, he's like becoming more and more limp in that bridal boutique sauté. And he's just yawning. Julia tells him, you look like doll. Because he's literally sitting there like the ventriloquist dummy that he is with his eyes just glazed over. Looking like chicken sauté. Ooh, we had that last night. Did it taste like Brandon? It was yummy. Um, no. Did it make your hot tub all cloudy? <laughs> it was a little dry, but, you know, you put enough peanut sauce on anything, and it's fine. Yeah, I guess he needed to be there to hold the phone <laughs> so she could converse with her mother. And I understand her. she wanted to go with a friend, and she doesn't have any friends because she's been sequestered on the Doomsday sex cult farm. So... Brandon has to be there, but I can't imagine that that's any fun for him. But he could outwardly try a little more. He could always do a little better with pretty much everything. Brandon's all about just minimum effort all the time. And no accountability. Yeah, just whatever's going to get him out of whatever situation. Because he coaches Betty, he's like, don't react, don't give an opinion, don't say anything. And then he seems to also be following that edict. But he just comes off as being a really weird jerk. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love that's the only thing she says. It's beautiful. Well, I mean, Julia's Julia. They do all look beautiful on her. They picked three pretty dresses and they look beautiful on her. So, yay. I don't know. Do you think the aerial style wedding dress would look good on me? The mermaid look? I wouldn't recommend a mermaid for you. No, I think I think you're more of a ball gown silhouette. I think you could rock a sheath. A bias cut sheath. You know, I mean, you really don't feel like a bride, a bride until you put that veil on. That's when it all comes together. Would my sheath be sheer? Would it be a sheer sheath for Sean? It'd be Sean's jewel. I love it. Okay, are you ready to just pop up a deck chair next to the brown lagoon? Are we in squim again? We're in squim again. Oh, God. Are Everybody we ready to... knows it's squim again. Everybody knows it's time to beat a dead horse. For the umpteenth time. Oh, maybe Natalie will prepare one on her cooking channel on YouTube. Dead horse. Just very healthy. So they've got 21 gays to go and they don't even know what the fuck's going on. Are they engaged? Do they like each other? They don't know. Mike is so tired. Okay, so I had a friend who took a vegan cooking class and he made soup for his roommate and I one night. And it was literally just, he just boiled vegetables in a pot and served them. I think that's what Natalie's view of healthy food is. Boiled vegetables. Potatoes are bad. Rice is good. I don't know. I don't know what what to think. Sorry, I had to go there. Up is down. Down is up. (laughs) Where's my ring? Oh, that's right. (laughs) You Ukrainian golem. First I feel the trust. Then I have the ring. (laughs) So she gives Mike this, like, weird, garbled, sorry, not sorry, apology. Uh, he kind of accepts it. And he's he's visibly surprised when she sort of apologizes, because that's all he's wanted the whole time. And he says, well, I have hopes, but we'll see how it goes. I have hopes that you'll move on with your life and cut this googly-eyed bitch loose. Oh, so let's get moist. Are you ready? Yeah, Natalie and Mike, it's just like, who cares? I feel like this is emblematic of the series. Once you get past getting to know everybody and how wacky their circumstance may be, you kind of get this malaise from about the halfway point right up to the very end, where it's just like, you see that it's all ill-informed choices and shitty people and then they all tie the knot at the end. I guess that's what's more fun about Before the 90 Days is that the the possibility that people will like get it together and just move on with their lives is a little bit higher. Even when it, it's like the universe is bitch slapping them into it. Like when they go to Mexico to meet their Ukrainian 
fake bride and she blows them off. I still have hope for Caesar. She loves him, man. Yes, let's get moist. Andrew, he strikes me as one of those people that he just thinks that coconut oil is good for everything and you should just put it everywhere. So he goes to Trader Joe's and gets like the the coconut oil for cooking and just he's like, yeah, it's great. I put it in my hair like it's in his hair. Yeah, he's moist and oily and vinegary. (laughs) You have nightmares about the scent of Andrew. Yeah, it's like I just got over my Night Stalker nightmares. Now I'm going to have moist incel Andrew. Yeah, so I, moist. I bet he's got a stinky closet. So stinky. <laughs> so he's drinking out of, again, Shutterfly, sponsored by Shutterfly, drinking out of a mug with his own face on it, while having a Zoom call with the immigration lawyer, where he's trying to finagle and finagle and finagle. So they talk about the possibility that makes sense that would be the right thing of them getting the visa reissued because of coronavirus, or they could continue on with the Serbian plan. Amira just can't make a decision or take a stand about anything. He he does say, and I think he does mean it, he's like, look, I don't care. I'll go either way. Do you want to do the extension or do you want to do this Serbia thing? You know, he's really defensive about the whole Mexico thing because that was stupid and shitty. He does make it clear. And I do think that, again, he's telling the truth that he's like, hey, okay, You know, I don't want you to do things that you aren't comfortable with. And maybe he's just saying this for optics. Maybe he means it, but he says the extension is fine. Well, it seems like with this relationship in particular, there's a lot going on off camera. So that looks better than it seems like he's might be a little bit more informed than, say, a Brandon. But you know how it is about giving people the benefit of the doubt on this show. They never deserve it. Yeah, I I feel like there's still with them, like there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been told. Amira is just like this non-entity. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of realizing she's never sort of the proactive, you know, whether she's hanging out with Xavier or Hamzi or Andrew She's just a noun. She's never the verb. She is never making the decisions. She is just an object to be pushed around. I'm starting to have less sympathy for her, too. We need a support group for this show, man. I know. Well, that's our 25 listeners. Hi, everybody. Hi, Misty. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Julie. (laughs) I'm powerless over 90 Day Fiance, and my life has become unmanageable. Well, now you sound like Mira. I fully acknowledge, too, that when we talk about these people, we're talking about the versions of them that are being cobbled together by the producers and the staff of 90 Day Fiance. Like this is a construct who knows what is really going on with these people or what they're really like. I think even if we watched all the ancillary content on Discovery Puss, we still wouldn't know. So back to Jovi and Yara, where Jovi's saying a bunch of reasonable, good stuff in the confessional. Again, this is where I wrote a lot about how I like confessional Jovi. Where is he after like three beers? Oh, God, I'm so bored. Well, you don't get to be because we're doing a podcast. (laughs) It's just like they need to offer something like, uh, could you like turn up the Stephanie? Give me like a sandwich with like something inside of it. Not just like two like dry old pieces of bread. Mm. Like something needs to happen with them. Back at the beginning or whatever, Yara was asking Jovi to like dial down the drinking. She needs to see from him that he can be a family man and a husband and, and a father And so he basically in this segment, I was weirdly disappointed that he was just like, yeah, she's right. I need to get it together. I guess I need to deal with this. And I was like, oh, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails when somebody acts like a human occasionally on this show. Is he acting like a human or is he like compromising parts of who he is? Maybe that's just who he is. I don't know. Well, he says stuff where he's basically like, "I've I've done the thing. I did my partying. I'm ready to like turn a page. Are you ever done partying? I know you're not. Didn't you get your Jinkos out and your Dewdrops in the Garden CD? You were out in the front lawn just freaking out with your pacifier. Yeah, having a a one-woman candy rave. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what happens when I drink that cannabis coffee, honey. I get real sweaty and I got a lot to say. Listen to LaBouche. That's right. (laughs) I told you that's one of the songs on Dance Central that I danced to, right? You did. Yeah, Be My Lover's on there. I hear what you say. Okay, so Yara's talking about how New Orleans is not a nice city for family. Maybe I live in Ukraine. And how much she's giving up to be here. Let me go back to talking about LaBouche. (laughs) No, no, Sean. I used to have friends and a life in Ukraine. Now I'm pregnant and alone. 
and Jovi is leaving. His work schedule is there, Minty. Is this a party for us, or is this a party for Labouche? Oh, so yes, once again, with the, the just flowery romance between Yara and Jovi, he looks at her and he's like, We get married? And she looks at him and says, Looks like. <laughs> it's just their thing. This is just their relationship. It's just how they interact. I don't know. It's kind of weirdly growing on me. I love the forced backdrop of the mask store. I'm like, oh, they yeah. don't need to go to a fucking mask store. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is when they had their whole um, convo about, like, what the hell even is Mardi Gras and all that stuff. Like, what does it mean? And and he's like, I don't know. I think it's like a religious thing. So he's all into his Cajun culture, but he can't even tell her about Mardi Gras. And then that's when she had that line of like, what the fuck is religion when you get drunk as shit? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what kind of Cajun is he that he can't tell her about, you know, what the meaning behind Mardi Gras is and why they do it at that time of the year and, oh, whatever. Let's let's fucking go get bummed out with Rebecca and Zayed. I am a woman and you are a man. Do you want to talk about Rebecca's fedora? How about that? She's hot. She's hot. <laughs> you know, you, ha- you, can- you have a lot to say about Betty's hair. I just want Rebecca to-, to shampoo maybe three times a week. It has been looking a little limp, hasn't it? I don't know what's happening with that ombre. I don't know why she's not shampooing. <laughs> Betty looks like every member of Aerosmith combined. <laughs> <laughs> I would say more like Air Supply. Of supergroup Aerosmith Supply. <laughs> they they all put their heads together, literally, and you get Benny. Aero Supply Smith. Aero Supply Smith. But yeah, Rebecca, she's, feel, she's feeling limp. Uh, she just keeps bringing up like, Res- but this is a resort that also hosts weddings. Wedding, wedding, wedding. What do you think about this for our wedding? And this is when they get into their Ramadan drama. Ramadana drama. I ride on my unicorn. And I'm a fairy princess. And I'm getting married for the fourth time to a man half my age from Tunisia. So Zayed's got stuff about that they can't get married during Ramadan. I don't know. And then if they don't get married, that they can't stay together. Um, They can't be in the same house during Ramadan. I don't know. I don't know jack shit about Ramadan, but she should because of her ex from Morocco. Ramadana truth or dare. I don't know. I kind of, is it kind of a shitty secret? Yeah, sure. Shitty secret. I feel like she's getting a taste of her own medicine. It's like if she wasn't paying attention to it to begin with and didn't know and there's stipulations, she's getting a big dose of her own medicine. I thought it was kind of refreshing to watch. Well, she gives Zayed her, like, patented Rebecca, you know, shocked pearl clutch dismayed business. And that's where Zayed's kind of doing his, he's like, well, you know, we just have courthouse wedding and then we deal with it. Yeah, have your courthouse wedding, just get it settled before Ramadan or whatever, and then have your, like, wedding and reception. Once Rona is sussed, then you have more time to plan and you can have your dream wedding. How dare he? That's another theme of this show. It's like courthouse wedding. Oh, no, 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 no. This has to be my ultimate fandango. Yeah, it's all about her. I think Zaya would be happy just to hang out with the horse for another 20 minutes. Someone else's sperm. I want your sperm, your sperm, and I want a big wedding. She's just always looking for problems, and if there aren't any, she'll figure something out to be upset about once again her 27 year old fiance is so much more emotionally mature and ready to be a grandfather i never told him that i ate a burger in this very booth at red robin with my ex from morocco (laughs) you know who else liked touching horses my ex from morocco shitty secrets my ex from morocco shitty secrets jesus so many Unicorn hunting with Tariq and Hazel. Let's go. Let's look at the app. Let's see what they got. What kind of puss can we get? Are we unicorn hunting or are we just straight up catfishing? <laughs> well, they're unicorn hunting, but they're getting catfished. So they think they're unicorn hunting, but they are actually catfishing. Yes. And being catfished. They thought they bagged a unicorn, but they reeled it in. And it's just a big old mustachioed catfish. A big Thai catfish. They should get another guy. Oh, no, 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 Sean. That would be disgusting. They should get, they should MMF the shit. 
You know what, though? It was fun to see Minty. I mean, she really is refreshing. They don't call her Minty for nothing. The whole reason that Hazel wants to contact Minty is to, like, give him the hairy eyeball the whole time and see how he interacts with Minty. But also his reason for wanting to call Minty is pretty flimsy. Oh, it is a single square of toilet paper. Like, everybody's going into this with very weird intentions, and that's as generous as I can be. I think that by the end of this episode, it's pretty clear to me, and probably to Hazel, that there was like a whole situation where Tariq and Hazel were on a break. And that's when he met Minty. And I think he actually would have preferred to just stay with Minty. But it was like, then Hazel wanted to get back together. And he somehow feels indebted to Hazel. They get a hold of Minty. They talk about the situation. I mean, look, they can't even agree on how to pronounce this woman's name. Minnie. Minnie. I've heard Mindy too. <laughs> Minnie. That's, that's, all, it's like Nolans. Minnie. Minnie, Minty, Mindy. What about Minnie? So she knows what's up. She pretty clearly sees, hey, you guys aren't looking for the same thing. Thank you, Minty. That's also kind of sad too. Yeah. That whole thing she throws in at the end about like, you know, I think he would be with me. It's very, to bring you my love, era PJ Harvey. It's very like, come on, Billy. She's like, you know, clutching her chest on a windy hilltop cemetery in the rain, pining for Tariq's wang. And Hazel doesn't even want it. You know what I like about Minty too, compared to Hazel, is that Minty seems fully alive. Uh, as Minty says, Hazel is beautiful, but I don't like her attitude. Mm, word, Minty. The thing is, at least when she was cruel and dismissive on the FaceTime call, I think that was like one of the first emotions. I mean, she was sad when she thought her kid had COVID. Mm-hmm. So we got sad and we got mad. We're getting all the chips in our trivial pursuit pie. And we got fucking rude. Like they get Minty on the WhatsApp and she's like, hey, Hazel. And Hazel can't even be bothered to say hello. She's fucking petty and shitty, but it kind of gives Minty life. And that's what I love about Minty. (laughs) And I want, I want Minty to have a show too. Let's get Xavier to have a show with Minty, um, where they go around to petting zoos with Syed. (laughs) It can be narrated by Winter Park lingerie sales lady. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine if Syed got to pet like a capybara or one of those really cute little kangaroos? Oh my God. I would watch it. As long as he doesn't have those creepy fake tattoos on, I would oh. I would be down. Yeah. So Minty makes it pretty clear that she wants to get back together with Tariq. I support that. It's just so yeah. weird. Like Minty's so dynamic. She seems fun. But is that in comparison with Hazel? I don't know. Ugh, we did it, Sean. We made it to the last segment. So here we are. Stephanie Harris, climb a tree, get down a coconut, give it to her. She calls him in the middle of the night. And what does he do? He gets on a bus at 5 a.m. He rides that bus for four hours to get to the city where he gets on a boat for another two hours so he can meet up with Stephanie and she can tell him, oh, this was this was my favorite. Oh, Harris. Oh, I really appreciate you, right, Harris. What is going on here? Oh, Harris, it's over for good this time. And then Harris is like, oh, so sad, man. So she wants him to hang out with her for the rest of her Belizean vacation for the next three to four nights. And he says, I will stick by you until you leave. Again, just swapping out one chess piece for another. Because she can't be alone for two minutes. She can't, like, deal with her stuff. That's strange. It's like they're not even people to her. Yeah. No, no. You just said it. You just said it. You know, we've talked before about how she wants to own a family. She wants to own a human. She wants people to be indebted to her. She wants to control. Even her friend she owns. Like, she pays her psychic friend. Yeah. And then that uh, I sent you that screenshot from Instagram where she's talking about her hairdresser that's also her best friend. Everybody's on the payroll. She needs some hookers. She needs to pull some, like, reverse Charlie Sheen shit. Yeah, if she wasn't so gross, I'd feel sorry for her. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I applaud your effort. You Thank really you. tried. Yeah. I know, these people aren't worth it, but I still give it to them. It's fine. I don't. That's why we're so good. All right, next on. Next on, we made it to the end. And here we are. Next week, we get to see Julia crying about Brandon being a dick 
about their wedding and I'm going to get real mad. Charmed. Oh God. Fucking Brandon. This, this show. It's like by the end, who don't we want to just see burned alive? I'm okay with Zied and I'm okay with Julia. Mm-hmm. And who do we not hate? Who else? I actually don't mind Tariq when he is apart from Hazel. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're on lockdown together. So good luck. God. Hella hot sauce. Other than that, like the rest of them just like flush. Just enduring this whole thing with Mike. I don't even care for him now. Oh, he's just pounded into the ground. He's dead inside. He's standing out there by the Bloon Lagoon just hoping for abduction night after night, staring up into the sky. It's a very uh, Harry Chapin, cats in the cradle moment, honey. So we've got Amira afraid of Serbian detention, and then we've got the goddamn more minty drama. And Tariq's hanging out with somebody of his that says, Minnie's gonna be the end of you guys. Yeah, yeah, let's hope. Go, Minty. Oh, Minty. Burn it down, Minty. We get Mike still not forgiving Natalie. We've got Stephanie wanting to swap Ryan's dick for Harris's dick. And he's down for it. He is ready to go to America and he's ready to pick up those reins right where Ryan, uh, right where Ryan dropped them. I hope they wear the same shoe and clothing size so she can give him all the TJ Maxx bullshit. Oh, she's a Maxinista, honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't talk about the lipstick purse. Ugh. Lipstick purse edit. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was a flask or a purse. I had to look it up. And actually, you can get you can get both. There is a lipstick flask and a lipstick purse, so it's still undetermined. But I think that was her handbag. Okay, so then we've got more Rebecca and Zayed wedding drama. Oh, and then we've got the moment that you've been waiting for. Jovi's bachelor party. He's going upstairs. Where we get a clip of one of the young ladies at the club saying... I'll be here for your divorce party. Okay, so do you have a, a nice palate cleansing Scotty Bauer excerpt to read let's, to us? Let's talk about Vivian Lee, shall we? Oh. On my way out, George and Vivian both stood at the front door. George gave me a big bear hug and a quick kiss on the forehead, and Vivian gave me a light kiss on my cheek and whispered into my ear, Get your ass back over here in half an hour. I'll leave the gate unlocked. I just smiled, bid them goodnight, and left. Thirty minutes later, I turned my car back onto Cordell Drive and parked it about a hundred feet away from George's property. The gate had indeed been left unlocked by Vivian, and so... Quite as a mouse, I opened it and made my way across the lawn, down to the pool level, and slipped into the guest room. Vivian was dressed in a robe and looked sexier than I'd ever seen her. We had to be careful. The room directly above the guest suite was called the Suede Room. George had it furnished as sort of a study come sitting room. Bill Haynes, the director, aka Joe Crawford's best friend, by the way. Very gay. Gay. He was a Hollywood star, but when they went to talkies, um, a purse fell out of his mouth. They didn't put him on the screen, so he became an interior decorator. Truth. Bill Haynes, the decorator, had plastered the walls with plush suede-like wallpaper. George was very proud of the room and hardly ever used it. The room to the west of that was his bedroom, and George was a very light sleeper. The slightest noise would wake him. Vivian and I looked at one another, snickered quietly, and tried to make as few sounds as possible as we began to passionately make out. It wasn't long before our clothes were off and we were tumbling around the big double bed engaged in various forms of foreplay. She was a hot, hot lady. She was very sexual and very excitable. Once she got going, she required full and complete satisfaction. She's a Don Bottom. That night, we screwed as though the survival of the world depended on it. Vivian could not control herself. She was loud. She would squeal and holler and laugh. She had orgasm after orgasm, and each one was noisier than the last. She yelled and called out louder and louder. I tried to shush her, shh, by gently putting my finger on her lips, but she wasn't interested. I don't care if George hears us, she wailed furiously. I just don't care. And then she hollered in ecstasy swore. This was one of the best fucks I ever had. 
I didn't want it to end, and I, too, didn't care one iota if we woke George in the entire neighborhood. By the time we were completely spent, a couple, hour, a couple of hours later, we collapsed on the bed, thoroughly drained and exhausted. Vivian eventually got up the next morning, perched herself in front of her dressing, dressing table mirror, and began brushing her hair. Suddenly, her weird behavior kicked in. We just had wonderfully intense sex, and I know we both felt good. But without even turning to face me, she continued brushing her hair and said, Why are we doing this, Scotty? This isn't right, you know? What is it? I asked. This is all wrong. We cannot do this anymore, she uttered. Please leave. I don't ever want to see you again. You sure? I asked, quite shocked at her 180-degree turnabout. Yes, absolutely, she said emphatically. We can't ever see each other again. She got up disappeared into the bathroom and refused to come out. Feeling more than a little hurt by being so cold and dismissed, I got dressed and made to the door. Just as I was leaving, Vivian flew out of the bedroom, threw herself on me and slobbered, Oh, darling, darling boy, I'm sorry. Can you come around again tonight? She was as impossible of a victim as they come, but she was quite a gal, and I saw her often after that. You seldom get a roll in the hay the way you did with Vivian Lee. I just kept thinking about that suede room and how, like, that is not sex-friendly, you know? No. Mm-hmm. You do not want to get discharged on suede, do you? That might be part of the reason why it's fully out of it like that. <laughs> this is the do-not-fuck room. It's filled with suede. That's what Ron and Betty should do for their therapeutic hot tub. They should just have it lined in suede. Oh, I bet Betty's got a suede bathing suit. That's like a discarded Beck lyric. <laughs> Suede-lined hot tub. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a cuckoo and a tur-tur. Bye-bye.